Bonjour tout le monde. Hey everyone, my name is Eloise and I'm here today with Naomi Wolf. Hi Naomi. Hi Eloise. Thanks for being with me. Today we'll be discussing your most recent book. I have it right here. It's called Facing the Beast. Um, before we jump in, I'd like you to introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah, um, gosh, I'm a nonfiction writer. Um, I've written nine bestsellers. Um, I've been best known as a feminist activist for 35 years. Uh, I am a, I was an advisor to Vice President Gore and to Bill Clinton's re-election campaign. So I was a <clears throat> political consultant. And then I'm CEO of a tech company called Daily Clout, which makes it easier for people to engage with um, the legislative process and with democracy. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thanks for being here. And thanks for writing this book. You say in your book that you walked in a bookstore and was hoping to see, you know, many books speaking about what happened, what we've been through as a society, and there's nothing. So, well, I would say some people did, but not a lot, and especially not the intellectuals, which was a big surprise to me, and I think it came as a surprise to you as well. Um, why was it important for you to write this book? Yeah, I mean, that's such an interesting kind of moment in the book, right? So the book is about you know, as you suggested, the last, I guess, three years since 2020, now almost three and a half, um, <clears throat> when, you know, all of our rights and liberties were stripped from us in Western Europe and North America and Australia and Israel and, you know, the countries around the world that were robust democracies <clears throat> before that. And uh, yes, I would have thought that intellectuals, <laughs> you know, like there were so many impacts it, on on so many levels in so many worlds that intellectuals are supposed to talk about. For instance, yeah. no one analyzing, no one that I saw analyzing, uh, who, who, who were famous analyzing racial disparities in the US dealt with the fact that the uh, lockdowns of schools um, set uh, black and brown kids in America back by two years in terms of their academics. Um, feminist writers didn't talk about the fact that there was the biggest loss of women in the workforce uh, since the 1960s um, due to, you know, someone having to look after the kids who were chained at home yeah. on computers. Um, no one who, who writes about uh, income disparity like Robert Reich in the United States um, addressed the fact that this was the largest transfer of wealth um, in our lifetimes, you know, <clears throat> if not in recorded history. Um, people who write about, you know, uh, the rule of law didn't uh, talk about the fact that vaccine mandates, um, you know, violated the Nuremberg Code uh, and, and are, you know, are against international law, um, as well as domestic law countries in which they were rolled out. So, you know, on and on and on, it, it's kind of hard to write about what isn't being written, but that chapter yeah. violence of the intellectuals. So why did you decide to jump in? Uh, I know that it's been rough for you in the past uh, years, and you talk a lot about this. You used to be the same person, ask questions, challenge, um, you know, authorities when they are abusing their powers. And suddenly doing this made you a conspiracy theorist and all that. So. Was it like a different experience for you to write this book compared to um, the others before? Well, my life is a different experience than it used yes. to be. And, and I think that's what you're correctly referring to. Um, I like, it, you know, this is a little bit awkward to say, but I was a kind of 
like comfortable, famous person uh, in the West who, um, you know, was was being published in every major news outlet and appeared on every major TV channel and, you know, had columns in, you know, four of the major newspapers. And uh, overnight, I was deplatformed um, actually in June of 2021 for doing what I've always done, uh, which is, you know, I'm an advocate for, for women and mm-hmm. my, you know, specialty is women's health and and sexual and reproductive health. And so I I noted online that women were reporting um, Mm -hmm. menstrual problems upon receiving this mRNA injection. And that's a big deal. If women are having menstrual problems, you know, from multiple eyewitness accounts in 2021, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that there are going to be fertility problems in 2023 and 2024. And that's what we're seeing, a 13 to 20% drop in live births in Western Europe and North America. There are a million missing babies in Western Europe, according to databases um, analyzed by um, Igor Chudov, a mathematician. Um, So by accurately reporting that women were saying that their periods were being horribly messed up, I got deplatformed overnight from every, like every social media platform. And also there was this global smear campaign, which lasts to this day, because mm-hmm. you know, now when you go to Wikipedia or any, you know, anywhere yeah. in the media, it doesn't say Rhodes Scholar or, you know, Clinton Gore advisor or, you mm-hmm. know, it says um, conspiracy theorist. Yes. I don't care, <laughs> you know, like it, that's annoying, but um, mm-hmm. it's important to save lives and save babies and save women's reproductive health, basically save the species by letting people know about this. Um, I mean, not just me, but all the people who subsequently raised an alarm. Uh, but my life definitely changed. And that's the subject yeah. of. Um, well, and, you know, I like your the fact that you're a feminist because you talk a lot about women and babies like you just did. Uh, I became a mother in 2020. So that was also very much my, thank you. That was also very much my approach for speaking out. I thought, you know, we need to do something for the kids. And uh, you're talking about the Pfizer documents. Uh, This is a big chapter. It really is overwhelming to read because I think a lot of people are not very familiar with it. It was not headlined. It should have, but no one really talked about it. So can we, if you want, I'd like us to just explain what are the Pfizer documents and what is there to remember about yeah, them? Very important. Um, may I ask Eloise, what country are you in? Canada. Okay. Yes. Yep. Trudeau. It's a real blackout of information in Canada for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Canada, I, I was sort of listing all the formerly robust democracies and, you know, Canada breaks my heart because it's it's right up there. It was one of the strongest democracies in the world. And so quickly it just became a police state and, yeah. you know, like death policies and, and coercion. Freezing and, bank accounts. Uh, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff. Censorship and. Uh, you know, just it, it just kills me because the Canadians are so um, I mean, it's a bit of a, a detour, but not not that much because you're Canadian. But what's so painful is to see how people's best characteristics were turned against them. I, you I know, Tucker Carson said that, that really? we, you, you were friendly and, and this became sort of the bad thing because no one wanted to go. Well, some did. But most of them were like compliant. Oh, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And. And then this happened. Yeah. No, it's it's catastrophic. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, your question was, what's in the Pfizer documents? So in 
2022, um, the a court. Uh, ruled that Pfizer, that the FDA, which actually had custody of the documents, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, had to release um, these 450,000 documents uh, that that were internal Pfizer documents that were related to the development of the Pfizer version of the mRNA vaccine. And um, it was a successful lawsuit by Aaron Siri that forced the release of these documents. So as a journalist, I was, um, you know, obviously excited because it's an important uh you know, primary source, but also worried because um, a the volume of the documents made it difficult to get through them. And how many pages were there? Well, it's four hundred fifty thousand documents, and each of them can be between one and many thousands of pages long. So it's it's massive. And by the way, the FDA cleared these four hundred fifty thousand documents in one week to authorize the um, the emergency use authorization of the. Of the injection, and my team two years later is still—they've issued ninety-six reports, and they're still, you know, working on it. Working on it, yes. Um, wow. But uh, these documents also were, are very technical, so it takes specialists to understand them. And an incredible historic um, thing happened, which is that uh, my COO, Amy Kelly, who's a genius pro project manager. Um, organized six uh, working groups of experts, um, volunteers, doctors and nurses and pharmacists and medical fraud investigators and biostatisticians and biological scientists and research scientists and clinicians and um, like every discipline you would need to understand these documents. And they've been working for two years, as I mentioned. So they've issued 96 reports in language that everyone can understand. And what they found is the greatest crime against humanity in recorded history. And I'm, I'm very sorry that, um, that, that the news hasn't fully penetrated Canada because we've been trying to sound the alarm for, for two years, but maybe this show will make a difference. Um, What's they, the situation though in the States? Do you think that the narrative is different is this like becoming common knowledge yeah half of oh, people, really? half of people now well four percent of people took the latest booster um pfizer's stock plummeted to pre-2016 levels and uh the, you know rochelle walensky quit three days after we published our uh, story about how she knew about the injection killing, causing spontaneous abortions and poisoning breast milk. And then she told the pregnant women of America and the world to get injected anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an investigation of Dr. Fauci. I mean, on and on and on. People do know and people are, you know, in polls now, more than half of Americans say they know someone who's died or been injured by the vaccine so the they make the correlation because here people are just like in denial like every week i hear someone who's, who died like very young of a heart attack or something that i had never heard of before and no one makes the connection it's just very heartbreaking to see. i don't know do they say that it's unprecedented well they, they have like they come with new thing like there's this uh spontaneous I don't know how they call this, you know, like people just die, but this is like a syndrome. They, they, they give name yeah. to stuff that that's, but yeah, I don't know, but it feels like people are just not ready to understand that there is a connection with the MRNA vaccine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. There's bad censorship and bad government control of the narrative in, right. in Canada. I just, I wish people 
I wonder if there's like, I wonder if sites like ours get blocked in Canada or War Room. So what's your site? Where do you publish? It's called Daily Clout, D-A-I-L-Y-C-L-O-U-T dot I-O. But uh, Bannon's War Room covers this a lot. I hope people are at least, um, you know, listening to him because uh, that's where we debut a lot of this information. Anyway, the the short uh, headline is um, Pfizer knew, and that means the FDA knew, and Moderna has the same formulation, but three times worse, right? Pfizer knew that this injection would kill people at massive scale, um, heart attacks, uh, strokes, blood clots, lung clots, leg clots, neurological disorders, epilepsies, Alzheimer's, dementias, liver damage, kidney damage. They knew all of that. And, you know, they it's, knew it, all of it. And all, they went on. And they kept going, kept going. And also creepily, um, you know, they keep going to this day. Like to this day, when I walk into a, an American drugstore, I'm, you know, I get a recording urging me to take the, the Pfizer injection. Um, they knew that, uh, well, there's a very creepy focus in the Pfizer documents on um, reproduction. You know, COVID is is, argue, is nominally a respiratory infection or respiratory disease. There's almost nothing on lungs or mucous membranes It's or breathing. Oh. It's all about the, the deep focus is on genitals and ovaries and uteruses and semen um it it's they knew they they knew that there's something in in the injections that's so toxic to women and to babies that they told men who were vaccinated not to have intercourse with women of childbearing age and if they did use two reliable forms of contraception um they knew that the lipid Particles traverse every membrane in the human body, including packing in the ovaries. We found that the lipid, these industrial fats are covered in, in a, a polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum byproduct, are accumulating mm-hmm. ovaries and blocking the ovaries, which is part of what's causing you know these agonizing menstrual problems. And you also mentioned this goes in the milk. Am I yeah, correct? Right. Yes, we broke the story that mRNA and lipid nanoparticles uh, and polyethylene glycol, again, which is in antifreeze, is in vaccinated women's breast milk, and that babies are vomiting and getting fevers and dying. At least one baby died in the emergency room from nursing his vaccinated mom's breast milk. And no one is warning vaccinated women about this. I mean, breastfeeding has dropped from 34% to only like 14% of babies, which is itself going to have a huge impact on the, you know, generations of the future. But um, yeah, Know, babies are going into convulsions and dying and there's like like how monstrous these people are there there there's this chart showing you know this many babies are vomiting this many babies what? have convulsions this many babies have fluid swelling it's called edema you know this many babies are um you know inconsolably weeping <laughs> you know and they just charts and they, they, in the Pfizer documents the same charts they have for menstrual you know, dysregulation isn't even a word. We don't even have a word for what they did to women. You know, 15,000 women bleeding every day, 10,000 women, two periods a month, you know, 7,500 women. And this is just test subjects, right? So now do that at scale with women around the world, you know, passing, hemorrhaging blood clots, you know, passing tissue. I mean, women are, are describing things coming out of their bodies they've, you know, never seen in their lives. Like there are like telegram groups of women saying, what is this that came out of my body? And and Pfizer knew that, right? They, they have these charts, you know, this many women, no period, meaning no babies, you know, 10 year old girls, uh, menstruating when they get injected, 85 year old women oh injected. And this is all in the Pfizer documents. I mean, the, 
they knew the, how can I put it? The injections are designed to disrupt human reproduction. They kill sperm, they kill sperm motility, they traverse the, um, the membrane around the testes for baby boys who aren't even born yet, baby boys in their mother's wombs, um, such that they degrade the Sertoli cells and Leydig cells, which uh, oversee male um, adulthood and male reproductive capacity. So we don't even know if these baby boys are going to grow up to be able to father children or to look, you know, like adult men, you know, like this totally enlightened cells govern, you know, like facial hair and broad shoulders and deep voices and, you know, fertility for men. And so we don't know if the, these generations of boys are going to be like male in the traditional sense that like able to father their children. So, you know, goes on and on and on. They, Pfizer knew that um, the injection caused uh, very high rates of spinal Continuous abortion. There's a section in the Pfizer rate, which is traumatic, right? Is over eighty percent. Um, and there. What are is over eighty percent? Your connection cut a little bit. Just can you tell us what what is eighty percent? There's a section in the Pfizer documents where the women who lost their babies when they were pregnant, the rate is over eighty percent. The babies die in their in their bellies. Wow. And Pfizer knew that. And yeah, and, and then there's a report on pregnancy and lactation went to the CDC. And, you know, as I mentioned, Dr. Walensky quit three days later, but um, after we broke the story about it, but it showed that two babies died in utero, meaning in their mom's bellies. And Pfizer concluded that this was due to, quote, maternal exposure, end quote, to the vaccine. So they knew they were rolling out an abortifacient. They knew they were rolling out something that would kill babies in and poison breast milk. I'm going to ask you a question, but do you think it could be an accident that, you know, it, it aims all the reproductive system? Could it be just like they didn't really know what it would do and it just happened that it went there? Or do you think it's there is an intention behind this? No, absolutely. Categorically, it's not an accident. Um, I mean, I, I'd really refer people to Daily Cloud because right on the website, you know, we've pinned all 96 reports. And you it can is. See. I put it in the chat for those who are interested. Thank you. You can see for yourself, um, it's experiment after experiment after experiment over months and months and months. And the results come in, the babies are dying and they keep going. And the results come in, this is um, destroying um, men's testes and they keep going. You know, and they warn people, like, if you know what you're doing is so dangerous that you warn men not to have intercourse with women because there's something in the semen of vaccinated men that is damaging either to women or to an embryo. Um, you know, obviously they know or else they right. wouldn't be warning. Um, they, they, they know that um, these lipid nano, I mean, just the lipid nanoparticles, right? They've known for 10 years that these materials uh, cross um the human membranes, every membrane, like they cross the blood brain barrier. So of course the placenta is a membrane, you know, the, mm -hmm. the testes are surrounded by a membrane, right? The amniotic sac is a membrane. They knew they've been, you know, like just Google, you know, lipid nanoparticles crossing membranes and you'll get dozens of peer reviewed studies. Everyone working with lipid nanoparticles knows that this is their action. That's why they've never been mm -hmm. considered safe enough to put into anything like in the past lipid nanoparticles were in 
like if you had a brain tumor and you were going to die of brain cancer, the medicine would be put in lipid nanoparticles and sent to your brain tumor because you were dying anyway, right? That's right. how dangerous it is. But it wasn't put in healthy people because it crosses every membrane in the human body. So there's no way this is a mistake. And, mm -hmm. you know, let me refer you to these charts, right? They had charts. They have charts and you can see them because they're pinned, you know, in, in our report on on this issue, they knew that 62% of the adverse events were women. And of those 16% are in, and this is tens of thousands of adverse events, right? 148,000 altogether in just three months, right? So now again, it's been out for years, scale that. So they, their term for 16% of that Oh, I just lost you, Naomi. Are you still there? Hmm. We're going to wait. If it's... Oh, Naomi, we lost you. Eloise? You're back. Yes. Uh, I guess I'm what sorry, you're we... saying yeah. is being censored. <laughs> I'm being paranoid now. I hope so. That's really sad. Well, you're, you were talking story. about the charge so and we lost you. Yeah. 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 No, you were asking did they know? I mean, these charts, it's, it's Pfizer's words that they were causing reproduct, quote, reproductive disorders. It's Pfizer's words that they were causing, quote, you know, the babies were dying because, quote, maternal exposure to the vaccine. This is, this is their own language. Right. It's not my language. It's, it's lifted right from their own reports. And like the way, like, how can I put it? If you're looking at a lung issue, you know, you'd sacrifice rats and look at their lungs. Yes. They, they mated rats, one with, you know, one that's injected, the males injected, the females not. And they sacrificed them and they looked at their, the cells of their sex organs. So this was all about that. Correct. This is shocking. I, I mean, I've been covering this for four years. I received uh, a lot of experts, a lot from France, because we don't have a lot of who speak in French in Quebec, because we're such, you know, only 8 million, such a small bubble. People don't really dare speaking. So I feel like I, I'm already very knowledgeable with what you're saying. But despite all of it, it's very hard for me to hear what you say right now. So I can only imagine for someone who's been injected twice or three times or boosted nine times, I don't know, how can you even wrap your mind around this if you've been injected? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but um, isn't it more important to know, you know, isn't oh, yeah. it more, only if we know what was done, can we begin to find treatments, right? And um, save the people that we can save, but also I feel like this information has saved so many lives because people are, you know, bringing it to their daughters and their granddaughters and their, you know, and saying, do not do this to the little kids. And, you know, so I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I'm sure it's mind blowing and I'm sorry, but. Um, no, don't be sorry. Thanks for doing it. But my point was more, it's hard to, to, because it's so violent, basically, this is violence. Yeah. And you refer to when you, you say in your book, it's an act of war. Yeah. Um, well, let me add that because I think that helps. Yeah. That helped me to understand what I was looking at. Um, you know, because you're right. As civilized people, we want to think, "Oh, it was a mistake," or "Surely they didn't intend to sterilize," you know, the West or yeah. kill the. Um, but these, my original reporting in in the climactic chapter called "Facing the Beast," um, shows that these 
injections are actually manufactured by our existential adversary, which is the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, and, I wanted to jump to that. Yeah, that's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so and the IP was transferred to China. China manufactured a billion doses um, for Pfizer, but not for use in China. Uh, it's for use in Western Europe and North America. They opened 14 manufacturing plants in Western Europe, two in North America. So it it all makes sense, basically. And you, you combine that with the 18 million people, or 16 million, sorry, who have come in over our southern border. And, you know, I'm the daughter of immigrants and granddaughter of immigrants. I have nothing against legal immigration, but what mm -hmm. is you understand these movements, you understand that a, a vicious tyrannical regime that organ harvests and forces abortions on its own people, you know, rolled out this bioweapon on us, like both the, vac both the virus and the vaccine now are confirmed to be bioweapons. And while we're dying and sterilized and disabled, and Ed Dowd shows that a million uh, Americans um, every month are joining the ranks of self-identified disabled, right? And the excess deaths are off the chart. I'm sure, I'm sure you and your audience know that already. And I mentioned the drop in live births. Um, basically, there is a replacement of populations in Western Europe and North America, and it's not a, a racial issue to notice it. But these are people coming from countries that do not have a tradition of democracy or human rights, and so it's easier to get rid of those of us in Western Europe and North America who who are a thorn in the side of globalists because we believe in the rule of law and the constitution in the United States and, you know, human rights um, and, and just create this kind of globalist, you know, worldwide serfdom by, by killing us off or sterilizing us and replacing us with people who come from tyrannical regimes. Okay, so that's, that's your theory, um, but what would be the motive? You think it's China behind all of this? Well, I'm very much influenced by my husband, who spent his career, Brian O'Shea, who spent his career in military intelligence and then in the intelligence community. And he, early on, like in like January of 2020, said, this is China. This is China. I'm like, honey, I love you, but that's crazy. But <laughs> so much evidence that this is China. And I just shared my own evidence that, you know, mm -hmm. the manufacturing distribution is China. Um, and so China is in alignment with these other bad actors that I identify in Facing the Beast, World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, and at Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're working together for this globalist outcome um, of why would you not want to get rid of Canada and North America as sovereign entities? I'm sorry, Canada and the United States as sovereign entities. Look at our natural resources, you know, right. which about a billion people to feed. Um the globalists, like who doesn't want North America? You know, if you could have an enslaved North America, I mean, look at slavery, right? They wanted half the United States to have slave labor because of the ability to exploit um, the natural resources. Now imagine if all of us who believe in the constitutional rule of law were gone and all there was was slave labor. And then, you know, China and, you know, and their allies these oligarchs could extract our water resources, our, our agricultural resources, our, you know, use our ports, use our electrical grid, um, you know, have all this wealth uh, mm -hmm. to exploit, uh, to ship overseas, right, to feed their own people, but not have troublesome Westerners who are thorns in the side of this global coup. 
Do you think that it makes that makes the governments compliant with this? Correct. So when you talk about the Pfizer documents, you said the FDA had them, so they knew. So the governments all have to be held accountable for this. And do you think it's going to happen? Do you think, you say in your book, there can't be healing if there is no justice. Um, will there be justice? I mean, that's up to us, right, Eloise? Yes, but how do we do that? Like, I know a lot of people, uh, here we had a lot of trials It doesn't get anywhere. It feels like I, I'm aware that we have a different situation here in Canada and maybe I'm falling into despair. I'm not actually. I do believe I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about future, but we are in a bubble. The fact that we speak French here in Quebec is very hard to access the information you're giving. And I'm going to have this uh, interview translated with subtitles afterwards, because I think what you have to say is so important. And we don't hear this a lot in French. And I think mm -hmm. this plays a big part. And, you know, the language barrier is very present here in Quebec. People are just not aware that there is a whole word in English and there is, you know, other kind of information. So I wonder, maybe because I live in Quebec and we're stuck in this bubble, but I wonder what's it going to take for people to accept that they've been lied to, deceived, fooled, and injected with something that's lethal. And how are we going to move, you know, on with history and have it? What's next for us, basically? That's my question. What's next? Right. Well, then and say it doesn't appear to be lethal for everyone. Right. So you right. Know, I, I, I hope I hope will, you know, look at the well, read Facing the Beast, look at the reports on Daily Cloud and kind of understand their own symptoms is my hope, you know, because a lot of people I know, mo almost most people I know um, who are not in the dissident community who got vaccinated are dealing with things like cancer diagnoses or kidney damage diagnoses or heart damage diagnoses. And they don't know that these are actually vaccine injury symptoms. Right. Right. So But they are my, they, they are right. Correct. Yeah. My, my, focus right now, like I'm doing a lot of, um, like, what do we do? I feel like humanity is in kind of a triage situation first physically, and we need to, A, stop people from having any more of these injections, right? And right. so I think we have to face the fact that we can't trust our medical systems. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we just, not, it's not just this, but, you know, the people killed with mid- Dozalapam in the UK and with Remdesivir in America and your own MAID program or MAID program that encourages, you know, uh, depressed people to commit suicide. It's a death, like our, our life support systems are death support systems right now. And so I've been doing a lot of um, uh, videos on um, non, how can I put it, traditional healing right traditional remedies so that we can stay out of the hospital and stay and right. treat injuries and stay out of the hands of these people who you know are, are perfectly willing to to kill us or to injure us uh, for money um and that became clear um yeah. so that's number one that's something positive we can do uh for example i it's very interesting i'll show it to you i've been um researching uh, remedies that have been erased from, from knowledge, like this is pleurisy root. This is uh, um, also pleurisy root. Um, I, you know, there are so many women with menstrual problems. Well, there were, there were Native American treatments uh, before uh, 
they were wiped out of our memory for menstrual problems. And um, so I'm reconstructing them, you know, and, and oh. same with heart damage and circulation. I mean, there's this spike protein circulating. Well, I've been doing, you know, research on what are, what are treatments that have been used in the past, um, holistic or organic. I mean, it used to be just called medicine for, right. you know, circulatory issues or protect your heart. Um, they are but, trying to make this illegal yeah. or not illegal. I don't know if you heard about that in Canada, but they're trying to um, pass a bill that will make it very hard to have access to natural medicines. Uh, did you hear about that? Very serious. I mean, that means they can just kill or sterilize your population at will if people don't have access to these alternatives. So uh, you, you guys have to fight that. Now, how do you, how else do you fight legislatively? So, um, I mean, I do believe that culture is important because it's harder for tyrants like Justin Trudeau or your local tyrants on a local, you know, provincial level to lie if the whole culture knows that they're lying. So informing people like you're doing, you know, is very important, right? It's not everything. Mm -hmm. um, and justice can take a long time. But I do think it's very important for us all to um, take seriously the access and responsibility that we have as like not let go of democracy, right? And so, you know, down here, the way um, I've dealt with that is, you know, Daily Clout drafts model legislation. And so we passed a five freedoms bill in 33 states in 2021, like end emergency law, no vaccine man, no, no vaccine mandates, no vaccine passports, um, you know, freedom of assembly, uh, all these things to counter the, the lockdowns. Um, right now, I'm going state to state with a clean elections bill so that we have paper ballots and hand counting and public counting. And, you know, there, there can't be a hijacking of our elections, which these globalists love to do. Um, you, you guys are in a, a somewhat more I, and I thank God every day for our um, constitution our constitution, and also just our system of, you know, you can affect the legislature at the state level in America, even if you can't at the national level. Well, you guys have to look at what does the law provide for you? What recourse do citizens have? Are you in Quebec? You know, at the, yeah. Yeah, at the Quebec local level, at the, you know, nat, uh, I'm sorry, provincial level, you know, how do you lobby your elected officials? How do you run for office? It's harder because you've got a parliamentary system, but it's not impossible. And what we're seeing in, in Europe, which is very interesting, um, is that like sovereignty parties that are that tend to be like medical sovereignty as well as, you know, closed borders. Uh, in Germany and, you know, in other countries are really gaining popularity, even though the globalists are doing everything they can to silence them and delegitimize them and get them off the ballot and so on. So I'm not telling people who to vote for, but I'm saying you can't keep thinking that your parliamentarians or your regional, you know, council members are, are representing you and your interests because they're not. And so you have to find out what is the mechanism by which Quebec is governed and govern yourselves. Well, that brings me, you know, I listen to you and I, I, I realize that it confronts me with the fact I don't believe in democracy anymore. I don't think we live in a democracy. I think the system is rigged. Uh, so I don't really put a lot of hope in my politicians 
Uh, I feel at the end of the day, even if you elect them for what they promise you, they will do exactly, you know, the globalist agenda. That's what they're right. doing. They're just put, pushing it. The, they're just puppets, basically. That's how I see it. Um, and that's based on my experience of, you know, witnessing what they've been doing to us. So, um, and I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that you think there is a way, um, may, maybe a way out through politicians. So you do believe that there is an escape with democracy. We could have a healthy democracy, you think, in the future? Well, I mean, Eloise, I'm sorry. I, I need another cup of coffee to not, like, be um, rude. <laughs> be rude. I like it when you're rude. <laughs> I mean, you know, look at history, right? People have got to read history. There have been times when our nations were you know, fascistic. Um, and then there were times when there were populist movements that forced change, right? right? So I'm sure you're right. I'm sure your politicians are globalist puppets. So why don't you run for office? You know, why don't you get, I'm not kidding, Eloise. Wow. I'm serious. You know, you get elected and see if you can do better, right? You've got a platform. I mean, I guess I'm just tired of people saying here, it's, it's, it's suicide at this point to say nothing can change because mm -hmm. that's, want you to conclude right but i don't believe that nothing can change i'm sorry to interrupt i just want to be more specific i think it will change but not through the systems that are already in place not that i know exactly what's going to happen but i feel that the systems are so corrupt right that we need to come out with something more, more creative i don't know what it's going to be but um All right. I'm not I sure. mean, you and i respectfully i don't mean to be like you know luxury or hectory or you know um but uh, like this is what I, I'm kind of, a, I'm so tired, right? From yeah, fighting, right, for yeah, totally. Three and a half years. I would guess, I'm just guessing that you haven't yet done the research to find out what it takes to change the laws in your province, right? Or, or in, in your city, right? Your municipal council, your your provincial council, you know, don't worry about the, the national, right? Because right. that is hard to You budget. need to work on a local level to make it, it more accessible. But there's more movement on a local level, all right? Have you reached out to, do you know who's representing you? Have you reached out to that person for a meeting? Do you, can you collect 100 signatures of people who believe what you do about, um, I mean, what is it you want? About it, uh, justice, about um, prosecutions, about, I mean, I don't, I don't know what law you want to change, right? Mm -hmm. You pass the laws, you have, you people represent you to pass your laws so where are the laws you know go take a look i mean i'm not mm -hmm. that as we've looked at a lot of legislative databases and a lot of them are difficult to search but right now i bet if i searched canada legislation or quebec legislation there's a government website that has all your laws yeah. and that are proposed and the ones that have passed well take a look at those do you like them do you not like them do you want to you know, have a meeting with your parliamentary representatives and say, here's a model bill. I want you to pass it, you mm -hmm. know, draft that model bill. There's nothing magical about drafting a model bill. You know, it's just, you just give them the language for what you want to do. There's someone in their office called a reviser, the Canadian equivalent who will put it into kind of a more uh, formal language. Um, like, have you, have you met with the people who represent you? Right? Like, have you tried? You and they uh, didn't 
respond. Like all of these are actions that you can take, especially if you've got a platform, mm-hmm. um, but you need to take them because the first thing is how are we governed? Do we know how we are governed? And, you know, when I started Daily Cloud, I, I started it because I was a political consultant and I saw how the people are kept out of the process of passing right. their laws. Um, it doesn't matter who you've elected if you pass if you let them pass terrible laws or if they're passing terrible laws in darkness. So it was a horrible slog. But now people in America can search any state or federal bill on BillCam, which is this uh, platform we built. Um, you know, again, there are comparable databases. I am betting you for Canada, and they are much more educated about oh, this is the town council meeting. I'm going to go and make sure they don't, you know, hear it where I'm sitting in upstate New York. A Chinese Spanish company wants to take over a ton of farmland for solar uh, fields. And it's just kind of another way of um, disempowering us. Like I'm an environmentalist, but, you know, this this will kick us off our own food supplies. Um, So it's citizens have mobilized to delay it and delay it and delay it, whittle it down, whittle it down at the local town council meetings. They're showing up, they're educating themselves. What is the recourse here? I promise you that every town in French Canada, you know, every town in Quebec, every province has these laws and they're by, by, by law, they have to be public. You know, they have these um, schedules. So go take a look at yeah. your t- I, to be to be honest, my my father has been quite involved in his local community regarding uh, the windmills. They're very much against it. Um, and there was a big movement. I'm just giving this example because to me, this is what I see around me. I have people around me who are doing what you say. And they went to the, you know, there was like a meeting at 7 p.m. And there were a lot of people who were against it. Um they heard them, they listened to them, and then they said, we're going to move on and do the windmills. Nevertheless, we don't care what you say. Okay, and- well, that's horrible. But then the next step is for these groups who showed up to make sure they don't get reelected. Right. right, right. So that's the step, right? And 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 people have to know. But I guess what, what I'm frustrated about, Eloise, is that I'm not Canadian, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even know of your system. But you and your 50 or 100 people who agree with you should be meeting in your house for a potluck to talk this through and to see, you know, in my book, The Bodies of Others, which, you know, uh, Face and the Beast is a sequel to, talks about the importance of just, like, I'm a tech CEO, right? But 100 people in a living room or 50 people in a living room are more are more sophisticated instrument for knowledge and progress than any, you know, any social media platform, any software, because you've got the people able to speak to each other face to face, you can't hack the gathering Mm -hmm. that infiltrate it. Um, You and your friends should be getting together and saying, what resources do we have here in Quebec to change things? What do we know? What do the laws say? What do the regulations say? What's the lever that we can push? Um, What are we going to call ourselves? You know, how Mm -hmm. Organize right, like talking about it isn't going to do it. But Matt, there is no tyranny that has been able in history to withstand mass organizing and mass noncompliance, mass okay. disobedience. If these people who who listened to your dad and his friends are going to go ahead with windmills anyway, find out who they are, publish their names and bodies. 
sorry. Uh, and I mean, not in an illegal way, of course. And we lost uh, your camera, Naomi. Oh, you're back. Sorry. Um, and and you know, let people know, like that they stood in the way of the will of your local community. Find out how to get them not reelected. Um, you right. know, my 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 husband would say, make their lives miserable in other ways. Go <laughs> that far. But you, you have a lot of power to, you know, inform everyone around you. This person stood in the way of the will of the people. And then, um, you know, if there are uh, interests, like what party was that, right? So to, to get another party in, you know, yeah. like, and, and let the people who decided against you know, have you contacted them? Are you telling them, okay, you ruled against us, so we're going to unseat you. I'm going to vote for another party. I'm going to get all my neighbors to vote for another party. Like, that's literally the basic DNA. And if you haven't tried that respectfully, I don't think you have a right to conclude that it doesn't work. After you've tried it, if it doesn't work, like sh respectfully showing up at a meeting, saying what you want and being upset that you don't get it is not very sophisticated politics. I'm sorry to be so frank. You no, know, it's it okay to be, uh, and I had a baby last year. So to me, my priority are my kids. So, but I, and I, I, I guess my approach is more that I sp I spread the truth and I have people like you who are speaking out. I think it's very important what you say. Uh, I'm going to give you a hard time here. No, I, it's okay. I, I feel like I have just to explain, give some backstory because I hear your frustration and I can share because you're so uh, you're on the ground and you're trying to get, you know, this is very important. What's happening uh, as a humanity, what we're going through. I totally get it. Um, but right now, you know, I'm building my family. So, and I have, and that's why, you know, I'm trying to focus more. How can I homeschool my kids? And I receive people to explain, how do we homeschool kids? How do we do that? You know, I'm, I'm giving tools on so many different uh, topics because it touches everything. We're not just concerned on one thing. It's not just the windmills or just the mRNA injection. It's just so many things that are, have been affected in the past four years. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I honestly, like I, I, I know people who came to my podcast who are doing what you're saying and they have, you know, they intend to be in, you know, meetings every week. They are getting together. And I would definitely encourage everyone who's listening today, if you have time, if you have the, the will to do that, just do it because some people have to. But I think there are so many different ways to fight this war. Yeah, um, I'm going to jump in there, Eloise. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let you, um, that, like, that's not I'm going to push back on your pushback. Yeah, sure. uh, so I have two kids. I did my most laborious activism when they were little. Babies. Uh, you can take your baby anywhere. You can take your baby to a meeting. You can take your baby. It's very effective to take your baby to a meeting with a parliamentarian or a local elected official. Um, it's very effective to take your baby or your children to town meetings, it's good for them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and some of the most uh, powerful um, advocates in history had their children, you know, when it, and small children or babies when they were advocating. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't respectfully buy that. I think it's a cop-out. I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. Um, as a mom, you have more obligation than anyone you That's know. what I'm doing, though. But I don't want to. I feel like I'm defensive, and I don't want to be there. So, um, but I have. I think we we didn't talk about something that is incredibly important because it's even in your title. You say courage, faith, and resistance. We didn't talk about faith. We didn't talk about spirituality. And I think uh, there's a big dimension 
well, here? I, I, there, there is something I want to end this rant with, if, sure. if you don't mind. You know, we're like your kids, my kids, they won't have a Canada or an America if we are not out front as warriors. Okay. And that means in uncomfortable roles. I don't, you know, there's a, a section of the book that you might not have gotten to in which people tell me how great it is what I'm doing and they don't do it themselves. Well, that's not going to win this war. Um, and so I guess what I am saying is part of why people say, oh, there are other ways to fight is that they don't want to be out front and take the hits or take the risks that being out front can, um, you know, bring your way. And what, what I really am trying to tell people, including you, is that it is 1933 and that if, you know, you don't go out front, and I say this to every single person listening, and take those hits now, which may be, you know, maybe you'll be arrested, but you'll not be sent to prison. Maybe you'll be uh, smeared, you know, but not assassinated, right? You, Canada's not yet at the point where it's assassinating people who speak out, not not to my knowledge. So if you don't go out front now, the, it's not going to get safer. It's not going to get better. It's going to get more unsafe and and more treacherous. By the time your kids are big enough, there, there won't be safety. So I, I don't... Um, I don't really want to pivot to faith without saying that because mm -hmm. the minute you let someone else fight for your family, you're endangering your family. But I'm not like I was in Ottawa. I was there with the truckers and I, I am on the ground and I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been fighting. I, I even created a talk show to receive people who were deplatformed uh, during the pandemic to give information. I had scientists on my podcast who were explaining why the injection were dangerous when this was extremely bad to say people who actually lost their job for coming to my podcast. Um, so, I mean, you know, th this is what I'm doing. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I... But, I mean, you've got to organize politically or else it's all just talk. I'm sorry that I've studied history for 35 years. That's that's just the conclusion, you know. If you okay, don't so the conclusion to you is that it has to go through politic po politics. If it doesn't, then there's no way out. Correct. That's my conclusion, especially Canada right now. Yeah, that's my conclusion. And you don't think that we could just like let the system collapse or just make it collapse? I don't know how and find another way. No, I mean that's respectful. <laughs> that's I'm I'm sorry. You're so awesome. And I don't mean to be like this adversarial. Really, I don't. I, you know, mostly want to praise you for what you're doing. But, um, you know, let the system collapse. That's like what Marxists count on. It, 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 do you think women and children are safe when a system collapses? Women and, and children are at the forefront of the people who get trafficked and raped and murdered and, you know, like sold into slavery when there's a collapse of a system. You don't want your system to collapse to start something new. It's not going right. to be you want to reform it. You know? For someone who's been working from the inside as you you have been, you do have faith that it can be improved. You do believe that we can improve our system I mean, as like, it is. You know, I guess, I, mean, I don't mean to be getting so frustrated, I apologize. What does that mean, working on the inside to improve our system? That's kind of very, um, respectfully, I think that's very tendentious language people who believed in 1830 and 1840 in the United States that someday they would be able to abolish slavery. They were dreamers and they were inside a system that was 
absolutely everywhere. And it was, you know, it represented itself as eternal and God-given and they just didn't give up, but they didn't just talk about it, right? They organized and they founded an abolition movement and then they tried to pass laws. And in some states they succeeded in passing laws so that new states that joined the United States were not slave states. And then there was a war. And then the side that, you know, passed laws to free the slaves did so. And then there was a date when there was a law that, you know, June, uh, 1865, I believe, when the, the law passed to uh, manumit, to, to free all the slaves in the United States. That took a lot of work. That took mm -hmm. decades and decades and decades of work and, and faith and belief. But if people had just talked about it and not organized, it would never have happened at all. Right. So our system, a democratic system, you know, yours is in a state of horrible decay and, and corruption. I concede that. You know, ours was as well. But and it still is in many areas, but people in the United States have been organizing, running for office, learning their laws. You know, it's a little easier here because a little more transparent and our system is a little better. Yeah. But they also did their job as Americans. So you guys need to do your job as Canadians and find out what is our democracy? How do we clean it up? How do we, you know, get justice? I, I don't know your system, but I know that there are mechanisms for, um, for, for changing who's in power, for passing legislation using, uh, you know, grassroots pressure, um, for exposing people who stand in the way. And respectfully, I don't see a lot of Canadians, you know, I see a handful, but I don't see a lot of Canadians stepping out and doing the grassroots work that it requires to make that effective. So, and they're not going to be murdered, you know, if they do, they might have to pay a lawyer, right? Um, so, you know, the truckers did it. Like that, mm -hmm. it, you know, you showed up for the truckers. That's awesome. But it, it takes action like that every day. And so you're you're speaking kind of big binaries, like the system's corrupt. We need to destroy the system. Well, no, you need to reform the system the way yeah. women the vote reformed the system, the way that, you know, ending networks of, uh, you know, back slapping redneck you know, power brokers in the South reform the system, like every system gets corrupted. And, and, but, but when you've got a, a, the, the skeleton of democracy, you've, you've got the wherewithal to begin to um, take it back. And I guess the last thing I would just say is you've got to, you know, people have to look at history. Like, yeah. you know, in, in, in 1989, the system of the Soviet Union collapsed, right? And after that, there could be democracies or there could be you know just brand new corrupt oligarchies and some countries became like croatia became thriving democracies and others became hideous like russia became hideous oligarchies where people get killed in prison so you have to decide like just collapsing a system doesn't solve your problem right yeah. they, in 1989 it didn't solve the problem unless people chose democracy yeah I understand. And thanks for clarifying. And I, I think I'm reading the chat. Everybody really appreciate what you're doing and what you're saying right now, because um, hopefully it's going to instill mm, will people. It's hard for us because we don't have access to information like you do. I think there's also a big part of it. Um, you know, when you're well informed, uh, I think it, the urgency to do something becomes more clear um, when you're you don't really know what's going on. It's not the same, you know? Um, yeah, but you are what's going on. Like, I hear you and I understand, but I promise you that if I were to Google um, laws in Quebec, yeah. I would 
about what the legislative process is. In no, um, I mean, I was more talking in general, because you said I know just, you know, a handful of Canadians. And I think that's, I can explain that by the fact that we have, you know, censorship on Facebook, we can't even see a news. Now, we there's nothing. Eloise, you, you do have censorship on Facebook, and that's incredibly frustrating. And the millions of people who lived in the Soviet Union had even worse censorship than than you. And I'm they not making excuses. I was just more, I think, uh, that was more like me trying to understand what's going on. Um, I, I do hear you, but uh, look, here's where I'm coming from. I'm I'm 61, and life is short, and we don't have time to keep talking about this. You know, for, yeah. for our grandchildren, we don't have time. So if I'm a little bit impatient with all the reasons that Canadians are not doing very much, it's kind of a waste of my time as well as yours, right? Mm -hmm. I time for that. We need to spend our hour together saying, well, what resources do we have? What information do we have? If you're just, and I, you know, I've written this in the bodies of others, if you're just relying on social media, of course, you're going to get bad information. But if you invite 100 people to meet at Starbucks, or to meet in your home, 50, however many it will, it will like, that's how every, you know, that's how the abolition movement started. That's how the women's, you know, votes for women movement started a handful of people meeting in someone's living room. Yeah. Um, That's how Christianity started, you know, it, facing the biggest empire, tyrannical empire in history at that point. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just don't have, we don't have time for the reasons why inactivity has been our methodology. You need to start looking around. And the reason I'm pushing so hard is it's a change in intellectual instincts, right? You've been, you know, in Canada, like three and a half years of like, propaganda and and gaslighting and and you know repetition and i'm sure the habit of mind that they want canadians to have is passive and oh we can't do anything yeah. and, you know but i'm telling you that that they will massacre you if you stay in that passiveness way. yeah and especially after you read what the pfizer documents show you know they you can't trust them not to want to massacre you. They tried to massacre you and mm -hmm. steal. Okay. So you need actively, and a really good book for this is The Indoctrinated Brain, respectfully, just came out, Michael Nels, a neuroscientist from Germany. But you need, and I'm just saying this with love to you and all your listeners, to actively cultivate the opposite intellectual habit, which is looking around you know, yes, you're in the wilderness. Yes, you are outgunned and outmanned. Look around to see what stick you can pick up to beat them to death with. I'm not kidding. Like, what resources do you have, right? Get 50 people in a room and say, what resources do we have? What do we know? And I promise you, by the end of that hour or two hours, you will have resources, access to information, access to food, access to knowledge, access to skill sets, access to analysis, access to media, you know, creating your own media, um, you know, even if you're mimeographing it in your basement, you know, that is literally how empires were brought down in the 20th century by a handful of dissidents uh, not going along with it and insisting on organizing. So I'm going to stick to my guns on that. And um, I'm grateful to you. And I hope you forgive me for being so um, clear in my, <laughs> in my, my, my sense of that. No, that's where you're coming from. And I do respect that. And I think a lot of people appreciate the conversation. So uh, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Um, before I let you go, I would like us to talk about um, the spiritual aspect of what we've been through. A lot of people said it feels like it's a spiritual war. It feels like this evil is just, it can be only 
human's fault. Um, and this is something you write in your book as well. Like you started saying God in public and not being too ashamed of it because we usually don't really talk about God in public. <laughs> this is like something we don't do when we're intellectual. So why do you think it's, uh, why do you think spiritual spirituality is important in what we're going through? Um, yeah, well, it's just important. I, I don't mean to proselytize. I, I conclude it for myself. It's important. Um, and yeah, yeah, people better leave it. But um, well, I looked at the nature of the evil around us since 2020, and I couldn't explain it in ordinary human terms, in ordinary human history, because it was so comprehensive and unfolding all in lockstep and so aimed at everything good and sacred about human beings, like the family and churches and synagogues and singing and children and children's faces and, um, you know, the our bodies, which, you know, are made in God's image according to our, our some of our, you know, traditional scriptures. Um, so I had, <coughs> I had to conclude that I was I had to conclude that there must be a God because uh, in a way that was more literal than I had thought before, because the evil aimed at it was so literal and massive and um, again, beyond human capability. And the more I looked into this question of what is this dark force I feel on the planet that I didn't feel before 2020, um, I, I went back actually, Satan wasn't a good answer for me because a lot of reasons I'm not Christian, I'm Jewish. And mm -hmm. Um, it's Satan is not a big uh, player in our <laughs> iconography, but also um, the Satan of the West is sort of a an elaboration of um, Dante and Milton and the Catholic Church, and it just didn't it wasn't a satisfying answer. So mm -hmm. I did go back to a, a really interesting book called um, The Return of the Gods by a um, pastor named Jonathan Kahn, who's also Jewish by birth, and. He, his argument is that the pre-Judaic, pre-Christian, the pagan gods like Baal and Asherah and um, Amalek or Amalek have returned. And that actually made sense to me. Um, I don't mean literally like, you know, gods by name, like pagan gods by name, but it did make me think maybe there was something in the last 2,000 years or 4,000 years, depending on, you know, if you're counting as a Jew or as a Christian, that consecrated the West and, and kept this evil from completely overtaking us. And we've let, let go of that. And, and so the evil, you know, this ancient evil can reactivate. Um, because that's what, you know, when you read the Hebrew Bible, that's what my people were dealing with. It wasn't a Satan figure, but it was like, you know, Baal wants you to sacrifice your child. So you yeah. it. like, that's the kind of energy, you know, like when I read about made, you know, this program where teenagers are told, well, you don't need to live. You could, we'll just help you die. That's a very Baal like, or, you know, a Malik like pure darkness, pure greed, pure power mm -hmm. kind of vibe. And, you know, and, um, uh, the Asherah is like, um, kind of completely uncontrolled licentiousness, right? And so the, targeting the family, targeting relationships, targeting love, I see that around as well. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's my literal conclusion, but I do feel like this is a battle between good and evil that's cosmic. And mm -hmm. that's why, pardon me again, but that's why I've been so bossy with you <laughs> because I don't think it's a time when we can um, not choose a side. I right. Think. 
Yeah. I'm afraid I have to leave. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that cut. What did you say? I, I have to hop off for another meeting, I'm afraid. Sure. And I'm gonna let you go. I just wanted to end on something more positive. So <laughs> yeah. thanks for thanks for your time. And I would there's a question. People were wondering if it's gonna be translated in French. Do you know? Right. Good question. Uh let me check with my publisher. Um Okay. And again, I will follow up on my social network. That's one of those things where if someone knows a publishing house in Quebec, you can bring it to them uh, or raise that question with them. And that's more likely to get it translated. Uh, Perfect. Uh, so guys, if you want to read it in French, just you know what to do. Uh, thanks for your time. And I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, you be well. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay.